something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Certified holistic chef Laura Lee Bryant is here. Hi, Laura Lee. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I was just saying to you, this is like sort of like a little catch up for us. We've known each other for a really long time. Back in the blog days is how I think that you and I got connected. There was LL Balanced and I had Velvet's Edge, the blog. And um, we used to go to like blog events together back in the day. Yes, it was like blog retreat. That was definitely the height of all of that. I feel like we were bloggers before it everyone was blogger a blogger and so now it feels a little oversaturated but back in the day you guys that are listening when we had these blogs it was like i don't know it was like the heyday we got to go to all these cool events we would go on these trips together it was so fun was fun i know i kind of missed that but yeah but this was long overdue yes (laughs) what we were saying because we haven't had a time to catch up since then Both of us, I think, have kind of gone through similar experiences. And it's just that stage of our life as women where you're 30s and into your 40s. I think you're really figuring out your path, your purpose, who you are, and all of those important factors in um, into that and what makes you you. So back when I knew you and you had LL Balanced and a couple cookbooks under your belt, life seemed pretty picture perfect on the outside. I mean, I feel like you had this very successful career, you were married, there were all these things that I think anyone looking in would be like, this girl's got it figured out. And then since then, and I know this now from reading the new book, but some things have shifted. And it sounds like life took a turn. So can you kind of do a little catch up session with me now and maybe give the listeners a little backstory because I think this will lead into what you are doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I met my ex-husband when I was 27, which isn't that young, but the reality was when I met him, I had just graduated from culinary school. And besides knowing that I wanted to do this like food stuff, 
I really had no idea who I was. I mean, all of this is in retrospect. I didn't realize that the, this at the time, but I really didn't know who I was. And the truth is he really did. Like he was very consistent about who he was and what he wanted from the beginning. And as we, you know, we had a really quick engagement, it all kind of happened relatively quickly. And I think as I grew up kind of alongside the relationship and the marriage, I started to get to know myself and realize that even though he'd been really consistent, I was actually a very different person than I was trying to be. And I felt very sure that the version of myself that I was getting to know, which was my more authentic self, was not going to be compatible with like big life things that he wanted versus what I wanted. And that was a excruciating revelation. And it also, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So I think it was one of those things where as my career grew, it that really sort of catalyzed getting to know myself better. But it also meant that it was behind the scenes. I was, I was realizing more and more that the relationship that I was in wasn't the right fit. And, you know, I, there, there was a lot of shame about that, but at the end of the day, it was, it was definitely the right decision, I think for both of us. Um, but that's kind of what was going, going on behind the scenes. And I was just trying to pretend like everything was still great. Yeah. Why do you think we do that as women? Because I think that's a big thing. I mean, was it the beginning of your career taking off or just the idea like being in the South, you know, divorce is bad or anything like that? Like, what do you think the messages going through your head were at that time? I definitely think there is a lot of stigma around divorce for sure. And I, you know, was aware enough that part of being an influencer, again, I, it's not like these were things I was musing over in a really specific way at the time. But again, looking back, I can see that I think on a semi-conscious level, I was afraid of what it would mean because I knew so many people in my community thought I had it all together because we are taught as women, especially in the South, that this is the right thing and this is what you're supposed to do. And it's a huge problem if that somehow is not a good fit for you. So I think I was swallowing that shame in a lot of ways. And I also was really scared of what it would mean for you know, every aspect of my life. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people underestimate about the influencing culture just in general is like when you make your life kind of the storyline for your business in some capacity, when that life starts to shift, it's very uncomfortable to navigate because you're doing it in front of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I had to make that mistake three times, three oh, times <laughs> about relationships before I learned my lesson. Um, but you know, yeah, it is, it's tricky. And I think I think that right after my divorce, I still refused to really face what I was experiencing. I think because I really felt like it was the right decision, I mistook that for being healed from it or being okay. I wasn't okay. I wasn't healed. But because I felt like, okay, I, this is the right thing. I confused the two and I really tried to just barrel ahead for a while, even through my second book through all of that pain and what was going on, you know, below the surface and try to keep my personal and professional life kind of separate in terms of how my work showed up. And eventually yeah. I really hit that rock bottom. Well, talk me through a little bit of the patterns you started to recognize in yourself, because I resonate with everything you just said. And I feel like 
a lot of times when we do the barrel forward, it does feel good kind of in the moment because it's like, okay, I'm good. It's like this like reassurance to yourself. Like, no, this is fine. That was the right decision. This is good. I can keep moving. I can do this. But you said there was a lot that you were kind of keeping under the surface. So what did that look like? And then what were some of the patterns that you started to recognize within yourself as you kept barreling forward? Yeah, definitely. I think even though I had had the awareness that while my ex-husband was very consistent and thorough, you know, throughout that I was sort of the one who was changing and growing and learning and, and wasn't particularly consistent that I was aware of what that actually meant and what I then wanted and needed and what was right for me that I didn't know. I just knew, okay, that wasn't, that wasn't the right fit. And I think it was more of what's not versus what is. And so the pattern really that I noticed was simply that I was just attracting relationships that weren't compatible for me, that weren't right for me at all, whatever the reasoning is. And it's because I did, I still didn't really know who I was or what I wanted in a romantic relationship. I was, I had a much clearer idea of who I am as a businesswoman, who I was when it came to food, all of that felt really solid. And again, I think I confused that with my personal inner identity. And it, unfortunately it did take, you know, going through just an excruciatingly sad heartbreak for me to finally say something has to change. I have to actually stop and investigate this rather than just the numbing and the, you know, full steam ahead. So what does that look like when you have that realization, like you hit a bottom, if you want to call it that, or you go through another heartbreak, what, what did that look like for you in those days after that? Like, did you, you know, how do you find yourself? I guess is what I'm asking ultimately. Yes. So after my divorce, I honestly, and part of the reason it was such a tough time was because I was just, again, pushing the feelings down and covering it up with, while I was writing a healthy cookbook, I was covering it up with eating, just not eating well at all, drinking way too much, not taking care of myself. Like I am all about indulgences in moderation, but I was really not eating. I was eating just like mostly sugar and fast food. I mean, things I would never have recommended in the quantities that I was uh, having them. So I did that after my divorce. That was my numbing and coping. Those are my numbing and coping devices. Plus, I think being a workaholic. But the breakup that I had, it was February of 2021. And I had actually moved out of my ex-boyfriend's house in a snowstorm at night and over the course of three hours, I moved into an Airbnb with a girlfriend and I just was so beyond devastated that even those numbing and coping devices just weren't, they weren't cutting it. And the thing is, yes, I was grieving that most recent relationship, but I was also grieving my marriage. Like I was grieving all of the things that I hadn't faced yet. So it was a culmination of a lot. And it was to the point where I just realized that I needed to take a different approach and actually have a holistic approach, much like I've had with food to heartbreak, which I've never in, I'd never studied that before. I'd never heard of that before. Um, and so I started working with a coach and I was learning some of these, some, some mindset tools, but I also knew 
I just knew, okay, I can't do the kinds of exercise that I used to, because I can tell it's dysregulating my nervous system. I can't eat the kind of things I've been eating. It's just making me feel so much worse. I can't socialize the way I've been socializing. It's making everything worse. And so then I was like, okay, but then what do I replace that with? Yeah. It's so interesting because as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking just about our culture in general, that it is kind of the way that we look at life. Like we want it to just be pretty on the outside. And so you're sitting here, you're saying you're writing this book that's like all about holistic healing through food and how to take care of yourself. Yet behind the scenes, your life didn't look like that, but it's almost like people don't care or like until we actually embrace it ourselves, like people just want the pretty picture. And so a lot of times I think the pressure we put on ourselves is to just do that at any cost. And what I hear you saying is like, no, what I realized is like, that was like slowly killing me. And I wasn't living in an authentic place either. So was there like a breakthrough moment when things just like kind of came to light for you? I think it really was that next morning when I woke up in the Airbnb. I I mean, it was just, it was a level of pain that I hadn't experienced. And it was just, it was definitely one of my darkest moments. And I think that was, you know, I think a lot of the time change doesn't happen in an instant, but I really do feel like in this situation, even though I took a lot of steps and it took a lot of work and repetition and practice, I do think that morning I immediately knew I have to do something different. I, I really did in that time. Yeah. And you're so right. One of the other grieving processes that I've had to do in the last few years since that time has been in realizing that understandably, you know, Instagram in particular is a very voyeuristic platform by nature, you know, and that's how it developed 10 years ago was at least a lot of my engagement. I think a lot of it was for food. And I think people do did like my food do like my food. But I do think a lot of it was that, you know, it's like semi attainability, that perfect Mm -hmm. life, that aspirational, you know, perspective. And I, from that day on, one of the many changes that I made was I promised myself I will never share a relationship publicly again, you know, pictures or specifics or anything like that. And I also just generally decided to be much more private and be in my life a lot more. And that has been for my mental health, incredibly just healing, but it has also meant that I've lost a lot of engagement over the years. And that's like, that's a bummer, you know? Totally. I mean, I feel like you're telling my story because it's so similar. I just have gone through the same thing. And I've actually heard so many other, if you want to call them quote unquote influencers or whatever we were, you know, or whatever that is called back in the day. But like, I do think from a mental health perspective as a culture, maybe it was the COVID pandemic or just that that feels like a lot of people kind of hit some sort of realization during that time because of that or because of other things happening in their life. But like, we need more of the real now, which is, I think what you hit too was like, I have to find some um, middle ground between the way I'm living my life and then the work that I'm doing. Like there, it has to be cohesive through my life. And I feel that too. And, and keeping some things for ourselves as sacred private things, you know, because we've lived in this culture that was just kind of making everything in life a storyline which is good if things are good, but man, when things are bad, it's not so pretty. (laughs) That is it. That's it. Whenever I feel that, you know, disappointment of, I wish I had 
you know, a faster growing community. I wish yeah. I had just more interaction in general. I just always go back to the fact that yes, the highs are high, but the lows are so, so low. And yeah. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't trade it for a day. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's talk, let's switch into what you are doing now because you did hit such a really dark season of your life, but now it seems like it's brought you to maybe one of the brightest moments of your life. You have a new book called Recipes for an Aching Heart, Healthy and Easy Meals to Help You Heal from Grief, Loss, or the Stress of Everyday Life. So you've really taken your pain and turned it into this passion for helping other women go through breakups or divorces and really like what that means psychologically um, and what the healing process can look like. So can you talk to to us a little bit about when the shift happened for you into this work? Yeah. I mean, truly it was, it kind of all happened right after that breakup because while I was working, learning some of these mindset tools from a coach, I also was making a lot of actual lifestyle shifts. I didn't know the science behind it right away, but I was really listening to my body and I could tell 
um, when I was activated in my nervous system, dysregulated, when it, when something that normally might have been energizing was really depleting. And so I kind of started writing down like all of these, these things that I was naturally shifting over to instead of what I'd been doing. And then as I implemented that and time went on, I actually, it was so successful. It was, it was such a powerful healing experience. And I mean, in my body, but actually most importantly in my mind, because it's all related. And I, I was, it was very much like 12 years ago when I started studying holistic food. Um, I remember for the first time reading the work of a woman named Kimberly Snyder back in 2012 and Kimberly. Yeah. No one knows about her. She was the generation before us. Gosh. Yeah. She was like OG. She was the OG. And I remember she was the first person who was talking about the relationship between food and mental and emotional health. And it was such an aha, very much like what I experienced two years ago, which is this aha of when we are grieving, we cannot separate that from what we normally do and and try to, again, just move through the world in the same way. When you are really grieving and when you are in that state of particularly when your brain is perceiving a breakup as a rejection, which by the way, it can do, even if you were the one who ended it, you can still perceive it as a rejection. When you're in that space, I, the, what I say to my clients is they're literally in a different like time space continuum. They're on fire. They're tired and wired. They're not living this in the same world that the rest of us are living in. So I wanted to create a protocol that, that basically builds a world to help them heal inside and out, even when the rest of the world around them isn't honoring what they're going through to the extent that they really need. And so just started studying it. I started studying the work of Pia Melody, Dr. Helen Fisher, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the book Attached by Rachel Heller and Amir Levine. And I created this and a lot of just actual, you know, scholarly articles, scientific journals, and really came up with a psychological and physiological set of tools, sets of tools that I then use for my clients that I now take them through. Yeah. I mean, you're mentioning, first of all, people that I love, Pia Melody. I mean, all of these people too, even the book Attached, like it's all talking about, I think, you know, attachment in general in relationships is such a big topic in our culture. So a lot of people know about that. But so much of that is like about regulating your nervous system. So what are the connections between food and what we consume or what we don't consume? Because I know when I'm going through grief, I have such a hard time eating in general. Like that becomes very difficult for me because I feel so like physically nauseous because Mm -hmm. my nervous system is like so dysregulated. So what did you find with the connections between this holistic diet or, you know, eating plan and regulating your nervous system? Definitely. I would say, you know, specifically, so let me say too, when, when a client comes to me, I can tell pretty quickly through a 30 minute call, if we're a good fit. And I know someone's a good fit. If they are probably going to fall into the buckets of anxiously attached or tend towards that, they again, perceive the breakup as a rejection, even if they initiated it, they're very dysregulated. They have these looping obsessive thoughts and all of those things tell me, and this is 
pretty much always the case that they're probably not going to have much of an appetite They're again, they're going to feel like they're on fire. Everything is painful. Everything's hard. Sometimes they may vacillate from that into numbness a little bit, but either way, they're probably nothing sounds good to them. Not only does nothing sound good to them food wise, but when they do get a little bit hungry, they may crave something that's so not what they would normally ever. I mean, for me personally, and I've seen this with several clients, I have a huge sweet tooth, but when I am grieving, when I'm in that particular, that much of a dysregulated state, the idea of something sweet makes me nauseous. All I want is salt. If I'm going to eat something, I want it to be salty. So what I do is say, okay, this is the state that they're in, the stage of grief that they're in. What is going on with their digestion? Because it affects your immune system, your gut microbiome. It affects your adrenaline and your cortisol. It affects your neurotransmitters in the beginning of a breakup. Again, for my specific client, they have a lot of dopamine because they're often still, their brain is in the protest phase, the chase, the, I can fix this. I can get them back. And so Again, cortisol and adrenaline are are through the roof, which may also lessen appetite. So there's a lot of things that are contributing to that. Plus their digestion is just more sensitive. So whereas in an, on, you know, on a normal day, quote normal, I might offer them, I might say, yeah, sure. Your usual lunch of this salad with mixed greens and all these raw veggies and nuts and seeds and dried fruit, maybe that's super healthy, quote healthy for you normally. But that's not going to go down well. So let's focus on things like if you're going to have vegetables cooked or blended into a smoothie or a soup, let's, you know, be really liquefying the diet as much as possible. Let's check in with your taste buds. What actually might sound good? And we keep it as simple, but nutrient dense as possible. And then as time goes on, what I tend to find is they move into more of the clinic. When I say depression, that's Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Kubler-Ross's depression, not clinical depression. So the depression stage, which leads into the acceptance stage, as we do all this work on their mind, which is really where the change happens, what then results in their body is um, their appetite increases. And this is where they might tend to find cravings come in hot. One, because they've probably been deprived for a while. It's just really hard to get the amount of calories and nutrition that you need when you have absolutely no appetite. Right. So they're, you know, the hunger comes back with a vengeance. And then we start to see because they're losing some of that dopamine, dopamine decreases, then their brains might start looking for that dopamine, which may come in the form of hyper palatable foods. So Mm. that's when all of a sudden they extra want, you know, the fast food and the sugary food and the carby crunchy, all of that. And so we have to come up with healthier alternatives of their favorite cravings. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you talk about the science behind it, because what I do think that I started to realize, like going through a deep grief is like, you don't want to eat, like you're saying, you don't have this appetite, but when you don't take care of yourself, it's such a spiral effect into so many different things. Like you mentioned gut health. Um, I think it really can affect your sleep as well. And so there's all these other physical things happening to you. And all you can really think sometimes when you're in that deep of grief is like, getting out of bed feels so difficult and like you're exhausted. So I love this idea of like, no, we really still have to nourish our bodies, like the importance of nourishing our bodies through that time. Yes, definitely. And you're so right. I mean, it extends so far beyond, you know, gut and appetite. It really can be sleep and brain fog. And just, just like you said, the most basic, simple tasks 
can feel insurmountable. And so yeah. a lot of the work I do with my clients is helping them through some of these thoughts that I've, I'm, you know, that they're having of I'm lazy or, you know, I can't get it together. We do a lot of work on those things. And also we just kind of clear out the clutter and say what needs to be done now. So I am a huge fan of becoming a no person. I talk about this in the book. I have in the beginning of the book, I did a, a there's a section called how to mend an aching heart. And obviously it's not a one size fits all, but some of those lifestyle shifts are so massive because like you said, just everything is a victory. Totally. And I don't think that many of us know any of these holistic tools because I think the way society presents it is like either get up, but get up and get back out there kind of mentality or, you know, drink your way through it or just keep moving through work. Like you were saying, and there isn't this moment to actually healthily process feelings, which is so, so, so important. Cause if you don't get it out, like you're just going to take it with you into something else is what I've learned at least. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, what is the book? Um, the body keeps the score. Yeah, it does. It's so true. And also, you know, one thing I really believe very strongly is that time doesn't heal all wounds. Time lessens the acuteness of yeah. how often you are experiencing it day to day, but it stays in your in your nervous system and your brain. And so, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why, interestingly, this actually surprised me. I would say at least half of my clients went through their breakup or divorce over a year ago, several yeah. of them three, four years because it stays. Yeah. And sometimes I don't know that we're ready to work through it right away because the pain is just too immense. And so it just takes time, but it will stay with you. So the only way out is through is what I always say, but Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've mentioned a couple times when you're working with a client. So talk us through some of the work you're doing now, like as a holistic coach. What does a session like you look like, a session with you look like in that process? Absolutely. So specifically, I am a holistic breakup coach. So I am not a relationship coach by any means. Um, That is not my area of expertise, but what I specifically specialize in is I have this, you know, 30 minute compatibility call where I get to know, okay, are we a good fit? And like I said, now after about eight months, it's been about eight months of working with clients. I can tell pretty quickly if someone is a good fit for me, if someone comes to me and they say, I went through a breakup or a divorce and it's just hurting, but I know that I'm really clear that this was the right thing. And I I can tell they don't need to pay me. They don't need me. I only work with someone who their brains are going completely out of control. They can't stop the self-blame, the self-criticism, the what if I just done this one thing differently, all of that kind of talk, because I can also see in their bodies the way that they show up if they need the kind of work that I do. So once I decipher if someone is a good fit, then we start working together. And, you know, when I first started this, I had a more traditional kind of coaching style of saying, hey, you pay me this amount of money for six weeks, couple months. But I realized as time goes on, that wasn't the right fit for me or my clients because they're all in different stages. So I work with people minimum three sessions because we do need to move the needle But after three sessions, it's completely up to them. It's much more like a sort of therapist approach. But what I do is, and I actually require all of my clients to work with a therapist as well. And my whole program was vetted by a licensed therapist. It was co-created with her. And like I said, everything is pulled from research and science, or I say, this is my personal opinion. But what I do is I take women and particularly, I only work with women who are in that sort of brain on fire can't stop obsessing and looping. And we create peace and closure and clarity. And we give them the tools. I give them the tools to not only kind of get over the past and what happened and understand their relationship blueprint is what I call it, but tools that they can then take into their next relationship. So I am the middleman. I'm, I'm not there, you know, helping them when the relationship is falling apart definitely can't speak to that. And I'm not there when they are dating someone new and, you know, getting into a new relationship. I usually take them up to the point where they have one to two first dates, usually on an app. And we do the work to establish, you know, what, what their wants and needs and boundaries are. And then I kind of send them off into the world. And then the book is called recipes for an aching heart, which we've mentioned a couple of times, but you do break down your story. And then you also give a lot of like daily insight tips into, you know, just some of the ways that you regulate your nervous system through the day, some of the things you learned through the process of your healing work. Can you give us a couple of the, just the big guys of like the ones that you find the most important that you mentioned in this book? 
Totally. I think one of the best things that you can do, some people tend to have a harder time at night, some people in the morning, but I really think coming up with a grief specific morning routine is one of the most important parts. If you can start the day as regulated as possible, because reality hits us when we come out of dreamland and often we're dreaming about our ex anyway, but reality hits us. And so one of the best things you can do, some things, it's all, you know, what works for you, but things like learning some deep breathing, like box breathing exercises, learning some really simple meditation that works for you, getting immediate sunlight outside, making sure you're hydrated, a little bit of caffeine if you're a caffeine person, but making sure that you're very, you're limiting your caffeine intake. And then specifically with my clients, I can't get it. It, it's, it was too much to get into in the book, but I do specific writing exercises, these kind of thought repatterning exercises as part of their morning routine. So that's a really big one. And then just some other things to think about are, again, taking a look at, okay, here's my normal quote, healthy routine. Here are the things that usually make me feel good. And then instead of just doing those, because it's what you've been doing, asking yourself, does this feel like it's serving me? So maybe you're someone who normally loves a Barry's bootcamp or an F45 class, but that's probably not the best fit because that's a, that's a huge stressor. So shifting to, you know, especially if you can get outside, but walking, hiking, um, yoga, Pilates, all of that can make a huge, huge difference. This is also a time as much as possible. I'm not anti-distractions. I think there's a there's a healthy place for you know Netflix during this time, but this is a great time to look at your calendar and say what can what's an what can I say no to? What has to be done? And with some of my clients, we'll even come up with these must lists where these are the things that on a daily basis have to get done, taking medication, taking care of a child, um, and then like a, a bi-weekly or a monthly list, paying bills, you know, um, it's getting your car inspected, whatever it yeah. is that's on your calendar. And the rest of it, honestly, is probably needs to go by the wayside for a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love the idea of turning pain into purpose. And so much too of what I hear you saying, even with when you're working with your clients is really developing that relationship with self, you know? And I think a lot of times as women, we miss that as well. It's kind of like you get on the fast track to building a career or whatever it is. And then you end up in this point in your life where you're like, who am I? What am I doing? Do I even like this? So I want to know, what does it feel like to you now? Because I do think you've taken your life experience and really gotten to know yourself as well. And now you've kind of connected that to the work you're doing with this book. You have recipes for an aching heart. So it goes back to your, you know, your culinary stuff as well. And so what does that feel like to be so integrated? Hmm. It feels amazing. I mean, it feels absolutely amazing. I think it has, you know, so when I look at the the different books and even my second book, you can see kind of the the stages of it. And you make such a good point. I think what I'm hearing you say kind of underneath that is that for a lot of women, there was either never a true identity cultivated because we are taught to be chameleons and pleasers and yes. often our trauma response is a fawn response. That's really common with women, or we've lost our identity because we've been, it's been subsumed by the person that we're in relationship with. And yes. I'm not even saying it's not that person's fault per se. It's that again, we are taught as women, if someone's going to change, 
it's got to be us, right? If someone's going to do the work, it's going to be us. If someone needs to twist themselves in a pretzel and we're all doing it silently and subtly, we're going to be the ones to twist ourselves into a pretzel. And that's why I think this has been such a healing experience for me because it has really allowed me to create a much more true and authentic while malleable. I mean, we get to change, right? But authentic sense of myself. And I see that so much in this book. This book is just, it's just like looser. It's less strict. There's even, you know, my first book, which I I love so much, it is so by the book healthy. Everything is dairy-free and gluten-free and cashew cheese and nutritional yeast and da-da-da. And that's just not how I live my life anymore. I am someone who really does. I, (laughs) Kelly, I feel like 10 years into Laura Lee Balanced, this is the first time where I genuinely feel like I'm living a balanced lifestyle after doing this for a decade, you know? So, yes. Well, I just love that you're being so honest about that journey because I feel like, you know, as I, like I said, as I hear you talking, I'm like, yes, this is what I went through as well. And it is so difficult because I think we just have so much comparison on social media and just out there in general. So I love that you're bringing the honest story to your work life and public life and putting that out there. And I also love the work that you're doing because I feel like teaching each of us and like, you know, women in general is like, we've been talking about women, so I'll keep it on women, but like the fact that it's okay to grieve and that it's a process and to feel the feelings. I think that's such, we do each other such a disservice when we don't talk about all of that and what goes into that, because it is a, it is a process and it can be a beautiful process on the other side. Like you're, I think, experiencing and perfect proof of, but without the tools and without maybe even the help or insights, it's, um, it doesn't happen that way. And it's just not talked about. So I really love what you're doing. I thank you for being here with us. Where can people find you if they want to either work with you or just keep keep up with you on social media, things like that? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I would love to connect with anyone who might you know, resonate with some of the things I shared. You can find pretty much all the information on my website about my books and my consulting. You can just go to my consulting page, book yourself right into my calendar. Um, but I'm also, I'm on Instagram at Laura Lee Balance and I'm also having fun on TikTok. So okay. I actually think my TikTok information is kind of more aligned structurally with this type of information. So okay. come find me on TikTok as well. Also Laura Lee Balanced. Okay. And I will put all of that in the description for this podcast. Again, the book is called Recipes for an Aching Heart. Laura Lee, thank you for being here. It was so nice to catch up with you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.